and he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. Because let me tell you something. God loves people. God loves you more than he loves anything. God's more concerned about you than what you put on this morning. God's more concerned about you than what you own. God's more concerned about you. Watch this. Be careful. God's more concerned about you than what somebody else says about you. Is that true? Of course it's true. But you know what we do? We forget. We forget and we focus in the wrong way. We forget and we focus in the wrong area. So listen, if you're looking, if you're looking in the wrong way, I mean, listen to me, if, if my desire, and I'm standing here in the church, if my desire is to look to the Allards and I'm looking this way, I don't care how high-powered binoculars you have. I don't care what kind of good glasses you have. You can, I mean, you can, you're looking in the wrong way. You're looking in the wrong direction because they're not, oh, I'm, I made sure that they weren't over here. Sometimes, sometimes y'all are trying to trick me and move to different places. But I, I, I can look over here all I want to, but I'm never going, and I can try to focus. Like, like for me, when I read, I have to have my glasses off because everything's out of focus. But when I'm looking at you right now, you're out of focus. I don't have to look at your facial expressions. I don't have to look at you looking at your watch. I don't have to see any of that stuff, okay? And all I see is blur, right? So I can put my glasses on, and it'll put it in focus, and I can get out binoculars, and I can look through binoculars, and I can try and try and try and try. But if I'm looking in the wrong direction, I will never see the alerts. Isn't that what we do? I mean, we're looking for God. I mean, we're looking for him, and we're looking, and we're praying, and we're begging God, and we're pleading with God, and we're beseeching God, and God, can you take care of this? And, and God, I need, you to, need your help with this. But you're looking in the wrong place. If you're looking in the wrong place, you're, you're going to be out of focus. So what do we need to do? The same thing Jesus told Martha. You need to get in focus. And let me tell you what I'm about to do. Let me tell you three things about God. That we all should be very, very thankful for. Number one. Isaiah chapter 55. In verse number eight. Isaiah chapter 55. In verse number eight. Be thankful for this fact. God's ways are not our ways. Now, I, I get it. I, I understand it's a simple truth, right? I mean, we, we learned that when we were first saved. We learned that probably in, 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 in Sunday school when we were children or in, or in children's church. God's ways are not our ways. But I'm here to tell you, somewhere along the way, we've forgotten. That God's ways are not our ways. Isaiah chapter 55, verse number 8. 
the scripture says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Your ways are not my ways, saith the Lord. God does things different. And can I tell you, quite frankly, God doesn't need your permission to do anything. He doesn't. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he owns the hills to boot. He doesn't need your permission. I don't need, listen to me, I don't need to come to Luke and say, Luke, I was really wanting to go for a ride, and I was wondering if it's all right if I used my car. I don't care if Luke wants me to use my car or not. It's my car. I have the keys to it. I don't need anybody's permission to drive it. I don't need to come to you uh, to, to listen today. Uh, I, I promise you, barring an absolute tragedy, I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a nap today. Every Sunday, uh, I, I, it's 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 part of my Christianity. I just made it part of my Christianity. I love my Sunday naps, and so I'm going to go home. I am not going to come. I'm not going to come. Just before I leave and say, hey, Miss Tina, would it be okay if I went to my house and took a nap? I don't need need her permission to take a nap, right? I don't need her permission to go to my house. I don't know. You don't need my permission to go to yours. Why? Because you own it. Listen to me. God doesn't need your permission to do anything. Because he's God and his ways are higher than our ways. Do you know what that means? Let me break the bubble if it's not already been broken in your life. God knows more than you do. I don't know why that breaks people's bubble, but I'm sure glad that God knows more than I do. I'm sure glad that God's got things figured out, and he does things different. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed in the Word of God that God does things different? Have you noticed in the Word of God that God does things different even in your life? You ever noticed that sometimes God answers prayers a little bit different than you would? Let me give you a couple examples. Number one, God's ways are not our ways. I just jotted these down. I was just thinking about this. Number one, he uses fish. Now, I'll just give you a couple seconds to think about that. God uses fish. Now, if I was going to teach a lesson, if I was going to try to teach a truth, if I was going to try to do something, fish would be on the, not even on make the list, let alone last on the list. But uh, more than once, so I was thinking about this. More than once, God uses fish. Matthew chapter 14. He confounds the multitude by using fish. Do you remember the story? It's found in other gospel accounts as well. But it's the feeding of the, we call it the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus confines the, confounds the multitude By using a boy's lunch with bread and fish. 
Matter of fact, he tells his disciples, not only does he confound the multitude, he even confounds the, 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 his own disciples. And he says to them, just go, just go have them sit down. It's like, what are we supposed to do with this? Can you imagine? Can you imagine where, listen, can you imagine just our church? We're going to have dinner on the grounds. We're fixing to have dinner on the grounds, and nobody brought food. Don't let that happen. I'm just saying. <laughs> nobody brings food. And Trey comes along and says, you can have my lunch. Now, unfortunately, listen to me. Unfortunately, I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. Unfortunately, I'm going to say with the disciples, what am I supposed to do with this? Here's a lunch. Probably not even going to feed you guys. But here you go. Everybody else go home because we ain't got enough. That's what they were thinking. And he tells them to go put them in order and sit them all down. And they're thinking to themselves, what are we going to do with this little, little bitty lunch? And, and Jesus prays and, I mean, multiplies this lunch. I mean, everybody's fed. Everybody's full. Do you understand? Not everybody eats the same amount. When we sit down to eat, I'm not sitting down to play around. I'm not sitting down to have, you know, tea and crumpets. I'm sitting down to eat some food. I like food. Have you ever ate with Kyle? That boy likes to eat food. We went when we were on our cruise. We went to a special sit-down uh, 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 meal, and you pay one price for the whole meal, and but you can get anything on the menu. A little waiter guy comes out, and he tells and Kyle says, man, there are several things on here that I'd like. And the guy said, I don't know why the guy said this, but he said, you can have everyone on, everything on the menu. It's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you told Kyle that. I bet he ordered seven of the things that were on the menu, full plates of them. And he's just like, yeah. you know, not everybody eats the same, but everybody was full. And here's the fascinating part, right? It was leftovers. Do you know how many was left over? How many baskets? How many disciples were there? I mean, I just feel like God did that. You know, he just kind of said, okay, you don't believe that I can do this, but let me tell you something. Let me take this lunch, and I'm going to multiply this lunch, and then you get a doggy bag to go home. All 12 of you. Because listen, God uses a fish in a little boy's lunch. It's God's way. And by the way, nobody could get the glory but God. Nope. None of the disciples could get the glory. They didn't even believe it could happen. God does things differently than we would do them. He, he confounds the multitude with fish. Matthew chapter 17. He, he, he uses a fish to pay taxes. Huh? Now, I know you wish you could do that. I mean, he goes and uses the fish. He brings in, Peter brings in the fish, and there's a coin in the fish's mouth. Now, listen to me. I mean, truth be told, Jesus didn't have a pillow to lay his head on. He didn't have two coins to rub together. So what does he do? Well, he could have done a whole bunch of different things, couldn't he? But he's often trying to teach a lesson. He's often trying to show people his power. Signs. 
So what does he do? He uses a fish to pay his taxes. Listen, he uses a fish. You ever, you ever, heard, of a, you ever heard of a man named Jonah? I mean, God could have done anything. But what does he do? Jonah, you know, you know the story runs from God, and, and, and boy, uh, they, they figure it out it's Jonah, and they throw him overboard. That's the end of Jonah. By the way, that's the end of Jonah. So what does God do? He brings a transport. What does he use? A fish to swallow Jonah. Now, if you're reading the story, you don't know nothing about the Bible, you think to yourself, Jonah got what he, got what he deserved. God brought a shark over, and he ate him and swallowed him, and he's done. That wasn't God's purpose, was it? It was to take, take Jonah, transport Jonah to where he was supposed to be. I love this. I love this. The King James says, the fish spewed him out of his mouth. I always say this. You know, Jonah even made the fish sick. I mean, he just threw him up onto the, onto the shore. And delivered him to where he was supposed to go. Why? Because God's ways are higher than our ways. God knows what he's doing. You might not have it figured out, but God knows what he's doing. His ways are higher than our ways. Look, look, look at this. Now, I want you to know something. Jesus, or God knew that our sin had separated us from himself. He knew that we had no hope and we were lost and undone in our own unrighteousness, filthiness and ungodliness. So God knew there had to be a divine way. And the only way for there to be a divine way was for Jesus Christ to come and pay our sin debt upon the cross. Die upon the cross, buried, rose again. That's the gospel. He's at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. If you'll call upon his name, he will save you. God has provided a way. Put yourself in God's shoes. Just for a second. Put yourself in his shoes. Would you give your son, your only son, to die upon a cross for even a friend, let alone an enemy, someone that has spit in your face, someone that has denied you, someone that has called you names, Someone that has used your name in vain. Someone that, who doesn't even believe you exist. Would you give your son? You see, his ways are higher than our ways. They're different than our ways. Because God knows what he's doing. We don't always know what we're doing. We don't always know where we're going. But God always does. His ways and His plans are better than our plans. They're better than our ways. Think about this. When God... <coughs> excuse me. When God, God's ways are higher than our ways, He not only uses a fish, but then think about this. 
Think about how God speaks to man. If I want to speak to you, I, I, I generally either pick up the phone, I text, or I come to where you are and speak to you. Now, I know there are other ways. There's social media. Other people have different things that they can do to talk to people. But if I, if I, want, if I want to talk to you, I'm going to talk to you. I generally, it very rarely happens. If, 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 I, want to, if I want to talk to Miss Joyce, I don't go to Miss Dottie and say, Hey, Miss Dottie, can you let Miss Joyce know that I want to talk to her? I have Miss Joyce's number. I call Miss Joyce. I know where Miss Joyce lives. I'll go to Miss Joyce's house. So I, so I, I, when I talk to people, I try to talk to people directly. But listen to me. When God speaks to man, he does things a little different. He speaks to man through angels. You've seen it? What is one of the most significant uh, ones was when, do you remember when Mary became pregnant? I'm talking about the Virgin Mary. She became pregnant, and she says, no, 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 this is, I've never, I've never been with man. This is of the Holy Ghost. Everybody's going, yeah, okay, sure. Even Joseph, who, by the way, was going to put her away privately. He, he wasn't going to make a spectacle of it, but he certainly didn't believe the story she was coming up with. What happened? Angel Lord came to Joseph and told Joseph, Spoke to Joseph. God could have used all different kinds of avenues to speak, but he uses an angel to give a message to Joseph. He uses an angel in Elijah's life. He uses angels throughout the word of God. God uses angels. Number two, in, in, uh, in Numbers twenty two twenty eight, 28, you'll like this one. God uses a donkey. Use the donkey. Sometimes we're so hard-headed. God's got to think outside the box to speak to us. I mean, he uses, do you remember remember this man? It's kind of obscure in the Bible, but his, his name was Moses. You ever heard of him? You remember Moses? You remember he's walking on the backside of the desert? By the way, you can't hide from God. I don't care if you're on the back side of the desert or other side of the world. God knows where you are. And he's walking in the back side of the desert and, and uh, he sees a, a bush that's burning but not being consumed. And he goes over to the bush. I don't know about you, but I've never been talked to by a bush. If you've been talked to by a bush or by a donkey, you might, go, you might want to go seek help. I'm just telling you. I'm just saying he gets over there, and God speaks to him out of that bush. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if there's anybody else out there? Moses is having a conversation with a bush. I'm just telling you, if you really think about these things, you really think about these things, these things are strange. They're different. They're, they're different than the way we would do it. Because God's ways are higher than our ways. God knew what Moses needed. God knew how he had to approach. Do you realize that God approaches people differently? 
It surely does. It's kind of like you and your children. If you have multiple children, let me tell you something. I guarantee you, you approach your children differently. When it comes to your kids. Anna, I pull no punches. I just, I just go and I could be white because she is just black and white. I mean, growing up, I mean, ever since she was little, she's been black and white. I mean, I just, well, I really like that with all my kids, but I was just like, blah, here it is. How does this look, Dad? It looks terrible. Wendy goes, don't ask me. If you don't want to know, don't ask. All my kids have always appreciated that, uh, or they say they have anyways. And now that they're grown, listen to me, I still approach my kids differently. You know why? Because I know the personality of my children. I know how they act and how they react. And they're all different. Do you know we're all different? All of us are different. We all have different DNA. We all have different characteristics. We all have different... Listen, there are people in our church I talk to differently than I talk to other people. Not a bad thing. It's just knowing people. And let me tell you something. Nobody knows you like God knows you. And God's trying to speak to you. God's trying to move you. God's trying to lead you. God's trying to give you wisdom. And he may speak to you differently than he speaks to somebody else. Now, I want you to understand something. We now have the completed revelation of God. So I'm not looking for a bush to be talking. Okay, I'm not looking for an animal to be talking to me. I'm not looking for a a, a prophet uh, to tell me something that's not in the book. God has given us his completed revelation, and he's given us the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us that guides us in all truth. But God uses these different things in our lives to kind of wake us up a little bit, to shake us up a little bit. Sometimes it's to rock our boat. Sometimes it's to tip our boat over. Why? Because God is trying to do something in your life and you're missing it because you don't realize that God's ways are higher than our ways. They're higher than our ways. We need to understand that God's ways are higher than our ways. Number two, God's time, timing is not our timing. We're going to talk about that more tonight, but God's timing is not our timing. God doesn't jump just because you speak. Yeah, we have this idea that God's on this leash, and whenever we need something, we just ask God, and God will give it to us. And if God doesn't give it to us, then we go pout and get mad. It's not how life works. It's not how God works. Let me tell you. Let me tell you a truth that often many people miss and even Christians miss. There is no such thing as an unanswered prayer when it comes to Christians. Do you understand? God answers in one of three ways, always in one of three ways. Sometimes he says yes. Praise hands, we're thankful for that, right? God says yes, we're thankful Praise God, it was the answer to prayer, whatever it is. God heals, God sends, you know, sends financial help. God said, whatever it is, 
God says yes, and we praise God. Sometimes God says no. We don't like that one. Maybe God says it's not good for your life. Maybe it's that God wants to teach you something in the sickness. The idea, listen to me, the idea that God heals all sickness on this earth is a false doctrine and a false idea. It's false. Now, one day God will heal all manner of diseases, right? Because he'll make all things new. When we die and pass from this life and we're with God and after the resurrection, he's going to make all things new and we're not going to have disease and not going to have cancer. We're not going to have all these problems. But until then, we live in a fallen world. And sometimes God heals somebody. Praise God. Sometimes he says no. How do I know that? Look at the life of Paul. He's a man of God. Matter of fact, he wrote most of the New Testament. He was a church planner. I mean, he was a discipler. I mean, Paul was something. And Paul had an infirmity. We don't know what that infirmity is. We're not told. Many theologians believe it was some kind of eye infirmity, that he had an eye problem. But we don't know what it is, and it doesn't matter what it is. But he asked God to take it away from him. Lord, if you'll remove this from me. God said, no. Paul asked again, God, if you'll just remove this from me, whatever that infirmity was, Lord, if you'll just remove it from me, God for the second time said, no. So Paul prayed again. God, if you'll just remove this infirmity from me. Third time, thrice, the Bible says. One, two, three, God said no. Paul, we have this idea. I don't know why we have this idea, but we have this idea in our head that, well, if, you know, he might not answer my prayers, but he'll answer her prayers. He might say no to me, but he might say yes to her. You do realize, right, that God is no respecter of persons. And if God says no, then it's no. But watch this. For some reason, God wanted this infirmity in Paul's life. And one of the reasons he wanted this in Paul's life is so that Paul could understand and he could grasp this concept and pass this truth on to believers throughout generation after generation. Paul, I'm not going to take it away from you, but my grace is sufficient for thee. You know what he told Paul? Regardless of what your infirmity is, I am enough. That's what God is saying. I'm enough. I can see you through the problem. I could heal you. Could he heal? Could he heal Paul? Obviously. I mean, without without any effort, he could heal Paul, heal Paul. But he said no, no, and no. We don't like that answer. We don't like it once, let alone three times. But I can tell you, most of us prefer yes. All of us prefer yes. Most of us prefer no over the third option. And that's wait. Isn't that what happened with Lazarus? God said no. Now, 
Could, could Jesus have come and healed Lazarus? Yes. Could Jesus have spoken the word without even coming and healing Lazarus? Of course. He chose not to. Why? Because God's ways are different than your ways, and God's time is different than your time. Do you know the truth that he spoke to the multitudes? When he got back, went down to the tomb, told Martha and the people, roll the stone away, but wait a minute, Lord, he's been dead four days. He stinks. That's a bad idea. Jesus said, just roll the stone away. Now, if he came back, think about this. This is how I think when I'm reading God's word. If he would have come back and healed Lazarus, the people around Lazarus would have rejoiced. Mary, Martha, family members, maybe people that were close to them. But after Lazarus died, I don't know if you understand this culturally, but many people... Obviously, the family and friends would weep. They would also hire professional weepers. And they would literally come. They weren't related. They didn't know the person. They would just come and they would weep. It was a cultural thing that they would weep over the dead. The whole multitude. And now listen, now he meets Martha. He meets Mary. He tells them we're going to the tomb. Now people that aren't even part of it go, what? What's going on? They all go, and no doubt, multitudes at the tomb. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. I'll tell you something. You think he spoke more truth in raising Lazarus from the dead or from healing Lazarus from sickness? You ever think like that? And he raises Lazarus from the dead, and the multitudes are confounded. God's timing is always perfect. I didn't say it was always what you want. I'm not saying it's always what you like. But I am telling you that God's timing is always perfect. You ever get stuck at a red light? One of my favorite things to do is to sit at a red light. I mean, I just love it. I mean, stupid things are useless. I mean, I cannot stand sitting at a red light. And some of them are so long. I know they're only like seven seconds, but it's like you're there for five minutes. You're like, is this thing ever going to turn? Another favorite thing of mine is to be in traffic. Oh, my goodness. I just grow spiritually when I'm sitting in traffic. I should, but I don't. I can't stand it. I can't stand being in traffic. And, and let me tell you something. It's maybe a light is broken or a light is out or, you know, workers ahead. That's my favorite. Workers ahead, there ain't a single worker up there, and if there are, there's 20 of them and one person's working. And I'm thinking, don't call them workers, just call them people ahead, right? And so and you get stuck in this traffic, and you get aggravated, and then you drive down the road, and you realize there was an accident that you might have been in if you weren't stuck in that traffic or that light. You ever done that? Let me tell you something. God's timing is always perfect. If we'll remember that, if we'll, if we'll consciously remember that God's ways are not our ways and they're higher than our ways and God's timing is perfect and God's timing's not our timing, then we'll remember that, hey, God's got this. And God's got me here 
for such a time as this. And the ending, because you remember, what does the Bible say? He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. This is the first and last of the, of the Greek alphabet, the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the ending. You know what he is? He's everything in between. Now listen, whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, trust God. Depend upon God. God will get you through. Understand this. God knows what he's doing. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our heads are bowed this morning. Our eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning. You've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There's never been a time where by faith you received Christ into your heart and your life for the forgiveness of your sins. You say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'd die right now, I'd go to heaven to be with God, and I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up and right back down this morning, and I'll pray for you. I'm not going to come where you are. I wouldn't embarrass you in any way. I just want to pray for you by need. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. It's between you and God. Say, preacher, I'm not sure about my salvation. Please remember me in your prayers. Is there one? Slip your hand up long enough for me to recognize it and right back down, and I pray for you. What a privilege. What an honor it is to be born again, to know that our sins are forgiven. Please don't forget. Please be reminded that God's ways are higher than your ways. Please be reminded that God's timing is always perfect. And the Bible says to wait patiently upon the Lord. Now we can do it and mess it up. Others can do it and really make a mess of it. But when God does it, His ways are always perfect. Let's stand together, head by.